What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Twisted Schmodown podcast. This is episode two. I'm your host, Ryan. Um, I'm here back to discuss the collision. It is uh, the day after the collision dropped under 24 hours ago. Um, I stayed up severely late last night watching it because I couldn't turn it off. So I decided just to, you know, whatever. I'll just stay up till 3 a.m. watching it. Um, so, yeah, um, you go back and listen to episode one. I did my full preview of the collision, and I broke down the Snyder versus Bibiani match, um, which is now setting up the Levine Bibiani match. Um, before we get into it, I'm just gonna get a little bit of news here. Um, there's two new things that they announced on the Patreon for the ten dollar level that they might possibly be streaming the live event on the eighth for ten dollar uh, patrons, which would be really cool. So we wouldn't have to wait for the <coughs> for the uh, actual post of the. Uh, live event and then also now we're going to be getting ten dollar uh, for the ten dollar tier we're going to be getting exhibition matches and actually i just saw on uh on instagram that uh harloff announced that they already filmed one of them between roca bibiani and draco cushing and i forget who the fourth one was or for the, who the fifth one was a fatal five way that they already recorded it and um oh yeah it was sam levine and uh, that they already recorded. It was kind of like bare minimum recording, but they just kind of did it, and that sounds really cool. Um, So we don't know what the category is for the exhibition. That's something really cool that they're adding to the Patreon. I'm really excited for that. I hope they they do that new releases thing, because that sounds sounds awesome. And I really want to see a Mance, Bateman, Levine um, release dates uh, exhibition exhibition match. Um, And then also, I just want to send out some good vibes to John Schnapp. Seems like, I mean, I've never met him in person, obviously, but he seems like such a great dude, and it's really a, it's a shame that he's in the hospital right now, and I hope that he gets better, and um, if any of you are listening, um, send out some good vibes to uh, to John Schnapp, and hopefully he'll re- recover and be back to, back and better than ever to the uh, happy sweaty that he is. Um, so, with that little, those little bits of news out of the way, I think it's safe to move into the Collision 2. Um, I, honestly, I was, I was really excited for the Collision. But the only match that I was, like, stoked for was the um, Iron Man match. But I think we ended up getting some really good matches here. Um, and the match that really surprised me was the triple threat match. I was um, I was really surprised by what uh, by what Janine and Stacy were able to do. I mean, Stacy obviously, you know, we had track record. But I we hadn't seen Janine face, you know, amazing talent so far. It, Bonnie Somerville and Emma Fife, you know great ladies, but we, ha- I mean, tr- general trivia knowledge, at least for Emma Fife, in her geekdom, she's really good, but we haven't really seen anything from, um, Fife or Somerville to lead me to believe that Janine would be able to hang against Andrago, but she did, she was up five, um, five, five, four at the end of the first round, which was really impressive, and then Andrago got up, he got fantasy sci-fi, he got four points, which is solid, um, he got a tough uh, question on the Richard Jenkins question. I, I, I had the same exact reaction as he did. When it's when they asked the question, I was like, oh, I know him in my head. I know exactly who it is. And as soon as I hear the multiple choice answers, I'll know exactly who it is. And that was exactly um, what happened with Andrako. And then, you know, Stacey Howard got up and got director. She got um, one point steal. But then she got four points from the director's category. And she was she was still doing good. And then when uh, Janine the Machine gets up and spins Spinner's Choice, and I was like, wow, she might be like, she might have this thing, Spinner's Choice, and she gets rom-coms, and she nails it. She did awesome in rom-coms. She was so impressive in the first two rounds. Um, she got seven points in the second round, which was 
amazing. She was up 13-9-9 after round two. And I, I could not have been more impressed by Janine the Machine. She's a, I mean, she, obviously, if you've seen uh, the match, then you know that um, she doesn't come out on top. But I think she's a really solid competitor that everyone needs to watch out for coming up. Um, and then uh, Stacey Howard eventually gets TKO'd um, by the Machine. She, uh, she doesn't get TKO'd by Andrako. But um, she's the first one to get eliminated, which I think Stacey Howard, she'll, she'll, she'll bounce back. She'll be in a singles tournament, I'm sure, and hopefully uh, bounce back a little bit there. But I, I, I think she, I wasn't really expecting her to win, to be honest, um, if you go back and listen to my preview. Um, Janine missed her two and three-pointer after Andrako hit his two and three-pointer. Um, and then it was just up to um, her five-pointer, and she got rom-coms again for her five-pointer, and she just, she just didn't have it. And, you know, that happens sometimes. And, um, and Draco came out on top, um, as I predicted. I got, that was one of the few predictions I got right. I think I got, I got four, I got four of the five matches right, actually. So, um, obviously, there was one that I did not correctly predict. Um, but also, I wanted, I, I missed talking about it. Um, all the pre, pre-show drama that went on, um, between, uh, Bateman stealing Mark Riley's dog, um, it was a fun little running gag that I liked um, for the first like 30 minutes of the pre-show where Jen Sturger was doing interviews. Um, <laughs> I mean, most likely it was just that Riley and Bateman couldn't make it for the collision taping and they needed some sort of excuse. But I mean, I mean that's just creativity, you know? How how the schmo dog uh, getting kidnapped and then Bateman not being there um, to support Guy, and which I liked because um, it, there wasn't any funny business with the Merle match as I kind of feared there would be. Um, so I'm glad Bateman wasn't there and no funny business was pulled, which was good. Um, I was really happy with that. And yeah, the, the pre-show was a lot of fun. Um, just kind of, you know, getting you amped up for the, uh, actual matches to start. So, oops, missed talking about that. But then we get this little scene after the first match with Jay Washington, um, with the corruption letter. And I wasn't exactly, I, um, Frank Janish or, um, Brad Gilmore, on the Schmodown Rundown was saying how, I forget which one of them said it, that corruption might be like a different league eventually. And I, I don't want that to happen, but these little notes to different like managers are starting to make me think that he might be pulling that. But then whatever he, well, which we'll get to the ending, the end of the collision um, in a little bit, that I, I don't know if that's where they're going with that now, especially because he's throwing this Kalinowski's, you know, bit. Um, but we'll see. Um, moving on to the Star Wars Championship, um, yeah, this promo that was before the Star Wars Championship was awesome with Damon and Green, um, it was a really great promo, and I, this was a match that I was really excited for, um, just to see kind of how I would do, because I, I talked about in the, in the first episode that I really like to kind of follow along with the Star Wars matches, because that's the only league that I could do mediocre in, um, I would be terrible at you know, general trivia, and I'd, I'd be okay in inner geekdom, but I could not do anything competitively besides Star Wars, um, so yeah, really good on, uh, Alex Damon for, you know, having this match, he didn't need to do this match, he was gonna be given the belt by Thad, and he just, just he was like, no, I wanna do the match, and I wanna earn it, and I, you know, hands off, uh, hands off, I said it again, hats off to, uh, Brad Green, I think, Brad Green, um, for taking the match, you know, it was, it, that's tough, no study time, he just literally at the 11th hour just came in and was like, yep, I'll do it, and, you know, it was 9-3 to three at the end of the first round, um, 
there were some there were some solid questions in the first round. I was kind of surprised that Green was missing some of them. Um, I thought they were pretty general questions. I got most of them. I got I think I got eight questions right. So it was just like I I thought that someone who and I didn't study at all. So I was like, ah, eh. well, I was like at the end of the first round, I was like, all right, so Damon's gonna win this, but at least at least we have the match. Um, that's actually gonna happen. And then, uh. Damon, uh, actually, Green goes first. He spins Empire, um, which are the original trilogy. It's just it's there's a lot of minutia. I think even more than the prequel and sequel trilogy that people. It's just really hard stuff to know with the um, original trilogy. And he got three points, which isn't too bad. You know, not great out of uh, five questions, but you know, he 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 cut the lead a little, a little bit. And then Damon hit Return of the Jedi. And got nine points. Just some of those questions in the Return of the Jedi category. I was like, holy shit. That's probably the movie I know the least, but still, it was just like, wow. Some of these pulls that, that Damon was getting was just so impressive. And it was 22 to 6 after the second round. And um, then the betting round came up, and it was uh, 25 to th- uh, 3. Damon knocks out Green 25 to 3 in, at the end of the third round um, on a quotes question. That was really just a really impressive game by uh, Alex Damon. A lot of fun to watch him, you know, perform. Even though the competition wasn't the stiffest, and uh, again, it's not nothing against uh, Bruce Green. I think it was Bruce Green. Not, I think I said Brad earlier. Bruce Green. Um, you know, it, that's uh, that's really tough just to come in cold and have, you know, the entire schmodown watching you, especially because it's a collision. It's not just like a regular video where people like not click on it. I mean, which I think is smart to put the Star Wars Championship in the collision, even with green still, because um, it might not have quite have gotten the views um, that the collision would have gotten because people would have been like, oh, it's, it's just Damon, he's just going to win. I, I mean, I'd hope not, but I mean, that might be the case. But it was good. It was a good idea scheduling it where it did. Um, and then uh, <laughs> Damon in the in the post-game interview talking about... um talking about Whitworth in a possible match which we all want someday whenever Whitworth can get a shot um get a chance to record um he said whenever you want to f- want to I'll fly back and I was like damn that's that's the dedication by Damon he really wants to prove that he earned that belt and I think it's interesting that he still says that he doesn't quite feel like he earned the belt because he still hasn't faced Whitworth and I would say that he earned it. My like, just from my own opinion of the questions that he's answered, I think he's he's shown that he's a solid champion of the Star Wars division. You know, he beat Knapsack, he beat Scrimshaw, um, he held his own against Whitworth in that first uh, Fatal Five way a couple you know a couple months ago back in the end of season four. Um, so I feel like he's he's proven himself, his knowledge enough that he is a champion. Um, but he doesn't feel that you know until he beats Whitworth that he really earned that title. And you know, hopefully someday we'll get that match. That's a match that I think everyone wants to see. Uh, someday, but, um, so yeah, it was, it was a really good Star Wars championship, and, you know, two matches down, I was, like, I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, yeah, it's midnight, I probably should, should go to bed, but I was like, no, I'm just gonna finish watching the first video, but that's in, uh, that's not where it ended, um, I want to talk about this Dale the Dude promo with the Horseman, I thought it was so funny, Dale the Dude is a really funny personality when the show down, uh, now, um, he was a fan, I think, and now he's, um, now he's actually on the Schmodown, which is funny. Um, and he his reactions with Dan Merle was just hilarious. The acting by Dale the Dude was just top-notch. Really, really funny stuff. Um, probably the stuff that I laughed the hardest at. Um, and then we get to a huge match at the end of Video 1 that I feel like is going to take up a, a good chunk of discussion here. 
Uh, Merle versus Guy, the return of the second greatest of all time. Um, yeah, if you haven't, if you haven't watched the Collision, and some reason you're listening to this podcast, uh, yeah, uh, don't keep just turn it off here because I mean this is where the the huge matches begin. Um, I want to start off. I I I've started to have appreciation, especially just this this Collision for Andrew Guy's character. I think he was so funny. In the collision, he was just this promo of him walking around talking about champs and champs lunches just had me cracking up. I thought it was so funny. Um, I loved his like acting performance. It was it was so good, so funny. Um, and um, all the all the promos with him talking like him talking to Mara that was really funny. Um, just him, you know, running around. <laughs> I forget who said it, but like, how did a guy get a microphone like attached to him? That was that was just great. It was so funny. Um, I still don't quite get the cane. I don't know if that's like a reference to like a specific movie or like a, a wrestling person personality that that used a cane like that. But I'm not quite sure if that's maybe because he tackled Roca. I don't know. I don't know exactly what the uh, the tackling uh, or the the cane thing that's going on with him. But um, yeah, I have it written down in my notes when when Christian started intru- he introduced Guy. Guy came out and uh, he was starting to list off you know all the stuff that Merle had done. And I was like, please actually have him. Please actually have him walk out because you faked me out once with that free for all. And <laughs> it was just, it was like when he finally came out, it was like, it was a great sense of relief. Dan Merle um, comes out and he's got four of the five horsemen there because uh, Riley couldn't be there. <laughs> and uh, Andrew Guy again, when Merle sits down and he starts taking the selfies with him on Snapchat, just so funny. I just I don't know why, but it was it was this it was this collision where the Andrew Guy's character finally clicked for me. It was just really funny. Um, <laughs> again, another hilarious line during the first round um, when Merle was about to miss a question. He goes, "You're gonna miss it. I feel it in my balls." I don't know why, but his just his line delivery of that was so goddamn funny. Uh, again, God just had me cracking up, and I was shocked. Andrew Guy was up seven to six at the end of the first round on Dan Merle. I mean, yes, it was Merle's first match back, and maybe there's a little bit of rust. But as he says in the post game interview, that's just an excuse um, for a bad performance or for a performance that wasn't quite up to par for Merle. And um, you know, Andrew Guy really is really proved that he's a really strong competitor. You know, I was I was really surprised by him in the first round specifically, but then as we keep going forward in the match. And uh, Guy with the lead allowed Merle to, to spin first, and he spun Pixar first, I believe, and then uh, spun away and got opponent's choice. And I was like, uh, Guy, what are you gonna what are you gonna pick there, Andrew Guy? Because like, what what is a weakness of Dan Merle? And he was smart by not picking sports movies, because I agree, he probably studied because it's it's Dan Merle, so he probably studied. Um, but then he decides to go for romance, which apparently was a good choice because. Dan Merle only gets two points in the uh, in the category of romance, and I was I was shocked when when it was eight seven at the end of Merle's turn. It was just it was I was like no, there's no fucking way. Or it wasn't even eight seven. A guy stole some questions, so I think it was like ten eight or something like that. Like it, Merle was down by a lot, um, and I was just it was crazy. Guy gets up, spins comedy, does awesome gets six out of eight points that's a really solid second round merle does steal a point and guy is up 16 to 9 at the end of the second round i 
I was just, I was speechless. Like, is the word I would use. I did not think there was any possibility that Dan Merle would be losing 16 to 9 at the end of the second round. Like, seriously? 16 to 9? At the end of the second round, I would have thought that Merle would have been up 16 to 9 at the end of the second round. That's what I thought was going to happen because my prediction was that he was going to TKO guy. And Merle gets up, you know, for his, he's down by seven, so he's got to answer all three of his questions to bounce it back to Andrew Guy, or at least his uh, two and five or three and five. And he gets his two and three pointers, so he gets it back up to 16 14. And then he just he didn't have his five pointer, he just couldn't, he just couldn't pull it. And Andrew Guy wins via TKO, 16 to 14. And I, I think he shocked every single person in that room. I think he shocked himself, to be honest. Like he, he plays that game where he thinks he's like the, the hottest shit. But honestly, if you asked like, asked Andrew Guy, not the character Andrew Guy, if he thought he was actually gonna win, I bet you he'd play a coin and be like, well, we'll see, you know. And. I, I mean, definitely not me, definitely not most of the Schmodown fans. I mean, maybe just part of the Action Army thought he was actually going to win. Um, and he TKO'd him. This, this like like um, like Harloff said at the desk, this automatically catapults him in singles. You know, he, he's definitely going to be in the tournament, a high-ranked uh, competitor in the tournament. And who knows what his um, next match will be. Does he get someone like the loser of Andrako Irwin? You know, what 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 is he going to get next? Because he had such an impressive performance. He didn't even have to go to the third round. Who knows how how great he was going to do. Um, but, yeah, I, I, first, before we get to Merle, I just wanted to, like, you know, say congratulations to Andrew Guy. He did fucking awesome. He was so good in this. Uh, he was so good in this match. And, you know, it's really impressive. We'll see where he goes from here. Him and Ben Bateman are both having pretty solid singles careers so far. Um, and then Action, you know, just had their loss to the Shire Wolves, and who knows what's happening with Team Action right now um, after the end of the collision. But let's talk about Dan Merle because, you know, he, in my opinion, is the second greatest of all time, and I think this match really um, solidified that to me. Uh, maybe it was a little bit of ring rust, but again, I think that also is a little bit of, a, of an excuse. Um, but, yeah, I said in the last episode that I think Levine is the GOAT. And I think this match kind of, this collision kind of, I think, proved that to me. Um, Dan Merle's definitely, you know, Hall of Famer, Mount Rushmore, the Schmodown. But he's lost his last two matches now. I mean, he lost to, he lost to Harloff when he lost the belt, and then he lost to Guy now. When was the last time Stan Levine lost a, lost a match? It was the first time that he lost to the Patriots. It was the only time that he lost to the Patriots. Before that, it was to Dan Merle at the collision last year. He's lost one match in the last year, and how many matches has he played? Something like 12, four, 12 to 14 matches in that time, and he's lost one. He's lost one match to the Patriots, who he then beat, you know, and won the belt. And then we'll get to what happened at the the second event, or the, the Ironman match. So I think I think Levine is just, I think Levine's the GOAT. And it's I, I don't think anything's ever going ever gonna to sway that for me. Unless Merle takes both of those belts off Levine. One if Merle is able to take both of those belts off Levine, then I'll give it to him. But as soon once Merle is a champ for the singles and especially if Levine beats Bibiani and defends it three times, I don't even think there's a question cuz he will have defended the belt three times, the singles belt three times. He will have won both ultimate showdowns, he will have won a free for all, he will have been a three-time champion in terms of he's defended the belt three times for singles. He would have defended the belt twice now for teams. 
um, or defended the belt once now for teams. He's won two title matches. Spoiler alert. Um, but if you're listening to this, why aren't like haven't why haven't you watched the collision? Um, but yeah, so I think that I think that Levine's a goat. Not taking anything away from Dan Merle though. I mean, I understand the loss. I mean, Guy played a really good match, and he just had some questions that he didn't know. And that's just the way it goes. So um, I definitely think Merle's the second greatest of all time. But I I I am hard pressed to think that if we get a, a Merle Levine two, that it doesn't come out differently. Uh, Levine Levine was a different player at the Collision last year than he was at the Collision this year. You know, he's he's taken he's kind of taken over in the past year. So we'll we'll see what what would happen. Maybe someday Merle will get back to the top and be able to play Levine for that title. Um, but yeah, I I mean if if Levine loses if Levine loses to Bibiani, then I think it's back in the debate. But I think if Levine beats Bibiani, there's not really going to be. I don't think there's much of a debate. I think that Levine is the greatest of all time. Then I don't even think it's a that big of a question. Uh, just to wrap up this match, I would definitely say that this is the biggest upset of all time, for sure. I I can't even really think of another match that would even be close to as big of an upset. Um. Maybe the Patriots beating top 10 the first time. I don't know how many people were expecting that. Um, but I, I would say that this is bigger, especially because it's Merle, and Merle had such hype around him. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what's what's coming up next for Merle. He has that live event on September 8th against a mystery competitor where also um, Inman's going to be defending the Intergeekdom belt against whoever wins the tournament. So either um, it's the what? It's... Cushing, oh, there's too many car- uh, people left in the in the tournament to even list off who's all in it still. Um, but speaking of the inner geekdom tournament, uh, we get KO at the desk after he kicks out um, Jonathan, and that was just a cold move. I mean, we knew. I think. I mean, Kalinowski said that he was gonna announce it back on his match back against uh, Highbon, so I think that that's not that big of a surprise. But it was nice to see, you know, Jason Inman on the desk. That was pretty cool um, to see him announce the first round questions with Harloff and um, Kalinowski. And, uh, yeah, so um, at the end of the first round uh, between Cushing and Zipper, I love, by the way, at the beginning of the match when Zipper was like, no, I'm not going to give you a thank you to Kalinowski. Um, Kalinowski was like, oh, you know, I'm, you wouldn't be here without me. And he was like, yeah, I'm not going to say thank you to you. He's <laughs> just like, all right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I... And I want to say, too, I think I mentioned it last time, I'm really starting to like um, the KO eruption Kalinowski character. I think it's been a lot. It wasn't my favorite at first because I was worried that it was going to, like, kind of ruin the league a little bit. But I actually like what he's doing. I, like, uh, Rachel said that, too, in her uh, pregame interview. She was like, you know, I don't like the way he's going about it, but I kind of like what he's doing. So I'm not going to complain. So... I think that the Intergeekdom tournament was a good idea, and then we'll get to what happened at the end of the entire collision. But I think I think it's a really good idea. Um, his his ideas have been good. I just don't want to see a spinoff league. I don't want to see a corruption league, just because I think that would be stupid. I don't I don't need two dueling leagues within side the schmodown. I know that it's like it, if it happened, it would be planned and it would be a planned out storyline and all that stuff, and it wouldn't last forever, and it eventually would end. But st- I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't need it. I'm kind of happy with the league the way it is. So back to the match, though. Um, yeah, it was 11-7 to 7 at the end of the first round. Another perfect round from Rachel Cushing. She was the first person to do it f- before in her first match in the tournament, and now she did it again. She has hit 22 first-round questions in a row 
That's insane. That is absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, there's no other there's no other competitor right now in the inner geekdom who I think, in the tournament at least, who's going to be able to seriously compete against her. I mean, maybe Donica, but I mean, we'll see with Kalinowski. We'll see with um, who am I missing? I feel like Kalinowski, Donica. Yeah, Kalinowski, Do- Kalinowski, Donica. Maybe Mara Kanopic. I don't know. We don't know enough about her. She's only had one match, which she did really good against Koi Jandrew. Um, but yeah, it's. I feel like we're gonna see Cushing versus Inman at that live event. I really think that Cushing. This was this was the match where like before I was like, we'll see, like we'll see what Cushing does in the rest of the tournament, and then I'll maybe proclaim her as the favorite. But yeah, I think she. I think she is definitely the favorite at this point because she's. I mean, she's just she's been literally perfect so far. Um, she got up and she spun Marvel, and she got five points, which I think I think she checked a multiple choice every time. Or no, she checked all multiple choice every time but once, but she still got every question right. She got a hundred percent accuracy in this match. I don't have we ever had that. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if we've ever had a hundred percent accuracy in a match before. That's that's insane. Um, and then Zipper gets up. Poor guy gets Star Trek. What is up with the wheel and Star Trek in this inner geekdom tournament? Like every match it seems like has gotten star trek and it's just like ugh, these people need to start studying star trek because you're not going to be able to win the inner geekdom without star trek especially because inman's at the top so if you get star trek on the wheel you know in the championship inman's just going to be like yeah i'm going to steal every single question and you're going to be done you're going to be toast so um i think everyone that spun star trek so far in the in the tournament has lost too so that's kind of hmm. maybe i don't know did crusher i think rachel actually spun it in the, her first match and she still did really well so that's another thing where you know Cushing has a, you know a decent Star Trek base and um so it'll be interesting if she's able to to compete with um Inman for the championship if she gets there um so after the second round it was 19 to 9 Cushing she uh barely misses the KO um but then Zipper is only able to hit his two and three pointer and um, we get another TKO, back-to-back TKOs, Cushing, TKOs, uh, Zipper. Not too surprised. Um, like I said in my first episode the, with the preview, it was kind of one of those matches where I was like, eh, whoever wins is who wins, and I won't be upset either way. Um, so, you know, good for the the Fife Club was 2-0 today, uh, back at the, uh, yesterday, I guess, actually. Um, Emma Fife must be feeling good about her competitors. Um, and, you know, there was that... Funny little thing in the post-game interview that Cushion forgot that Fife was still in the tournament, that her manager was still in the tournament, that she might have to play her at some point, which is really funny. Um, I don't think Fife will be Canopic, but we'll see. I mean, maybe there. I mean, there's a chance. I mean, there's a chance. Like uh, everyone says in the showdown, any given day, any person can beat someone else, depending on the questions that are asked. So we'll see. Um, and then after the uh, the post-game uh, interviews, we get a little setup with Dagnino getting a corruption letter and I this was the scene where I was like shit with Washington getting a letter Dagnito getting a letter I still think it's a possibility that we get the corruption spinoff league and I I just I don't need it I don't want it and I think it'll be really really frustrating if this is the way that they go and I mean I get it because I think there's something similar in wrestling I think there's some like I think the new world order I don't know wrestling at, at all which is you know maybe a reason that I don't you know, it took me a little while to like, fully get into the Schmodown. So apparently, I, I mean, maybe like New World Order, I think that was something where they had a spinoff league. I don't actually know, <laughs> just to be honest. Um, so I, I don't need that. And there's things that are looking that it might do that, but also then the thing at the end of the tournament where I think Kalinowski might be happy with the control that he has over the Schmodown period. So 
we'll see. Um, then we moved on. We're going to move on here to the team title match. So excited for this. My boys above the line, my favorite team, facing up against the Patriots. Um, Jeff Snyder coming off a tough loss, you know, not only against above the line, but also then against Bibiani earlier in the week when he just gave up at the end. Um, but I think that the Ironman match was the only way that you could settle his score. Uh, they each won a regular match against each other. And honestly, I think Ironman like Levine said, it's the truest test of knowledge. You either know more than the uh, people sitting across the table with, from you, or you don't. And whoever doesn't know more, you're not getting that belt. And I think that's, I mean, can you think of a better way to settle this? I, re I really don't think so. And I wasn't sure how exactly they were going to set it up, where if it was each individual and then they'll add the points together like that, but I like that they were able to confer I think that that adds to it, and I think that makes it a little, um, a little more of teams. So yeah, um, and I, in the pregame interviews, I first noticed Snyder had a "fuck the Italian job" shirt um, <laughs> because that was the question that they lost the belts on uh, the Donald Sutherland, uh, Robert Duvall uh, Italian job question. So you know, teams get introduced after the round, uh, the interview. Another great promo, by the way. Before this, I thought it was a really great promo. Um, promo package above the line comes out with their belts awesome that Levine still has the two belts on his shoulders so excited that that's still a thing um and then we get going on that this 30 minute uh 30 minute match and above the line was the first to miss I think they went down like six five and then they tie it right back up and something that I realized in this uh, match was that not only do Bibiani and McQueenie look very similar, I think they're very similar players in that they are both really strong at first-round style questions. Like when it's just you're sitting there with a whiteboard in front of you and you get random questions tossed at you. McQueenie seems, seemed like really dialed in. Like Levine did a lot, like but he didn't have the whiteboard, so whenever... Uh, Whenever McQueenie got asked a question, there was very few times where he had to defer to Levine, where Levine, he had to look to Levine, and Levine had to, like, tell him and then write it down. I, I'd, I'd say it looked like about 80% of the time, McQueenie would just start writing. And, you know, not to say that Levine didn't know the answer, it's just that he knew it right away, and that McQueenie was just able to write it down, which was really impressive. So very similar to Bibiani during the uh, free-for-all. So... The lead, you know, it started growing. It was a two-point lead. Then it was a four-point lead. I was really excited. And honestly, maybe it was also just because Snyder um, was writing. But it didn't seem like JTE was doing too much during the match. And I, I was a little surprised by that. And I think it shows maybe that just because... Maybe it was just because Snyder was writing. That I, Honestly, that might be why. But it kind of felt like it was just a little bit of Snyder on his own during the, the match. I could be completely wrong on that. But that's just kind of the, the vibe that I was picking up. And... The Melissa Benoit question really made me a little mad because is the ST versus just a T really change, you know, if that question was right or not? Because they obviously knew the right answer with above the line there. It was around it was around the halftime. Is I mean, is this a spelling bee or is it not? Because they say spelling doesn't count. And I don't think that fundamentally changes her name. Like that's just a, a letter in there. It's, uh, that's obviously the answer. They obviously got it right. Now, obviously, Above the Line won the match. So it doesn't matter that much. But if Above the Line would have lost by one, 
I would have been really mad about this because I think that's kind of a BS call. I really don't understand why the ST versus just the T changed the names that much. If there was another actress with the exact same name without the S and there was a T like that's in Hollywood and is a known actress, then that would be okay. That's why the Alien Aliens thing with the Infinity War question with Snyder wasn't counted because there is two separate movies called Alien and Aliens. Now, this is just Melissa Benoit or Melissa Benoist or whatever you like you actually pronounce it. And I was just like, seriously, that's seriously how in-depth we're going now with the answers. So, whatever. That's that's my little, my little rant on my soapbox. So, at halftime, it was 25-21 or above the line. 15 minutes to go in the match um and i was really excited because after after that halftime above the line goes up by seven points at one point i was through the roof you know i was trying to keep it down because you know it was 2 30 to in the morning so i wasn't trying to scream but i was i was on the brink of it and then they started to lose some ground and they took the time out which i think was a really good move by above the line they really needed that and they needed to take a breather you know, you know, during the time, or right before the timeout, it was 35-30, right around 10 minutes left in the game, and I think this, this was, th- I think 10 minutes left in the game is like the perfect time to take a timeout for above the line, they started to lose a little ground, they needed a second just to breathe, and I think that they used their timeout really well, and I just want to say, Dagnino, just get some, get some longer shorts, buddy, that's it, I'm just gonna move on, um, and then, after the timeout, the Patriots cut it to a three-point game, and I started to get so nervous that above the line was gonna blow it i was really nervous i was really hoping that they weren't going to i was i was still believing them still believing in my boys but i was i was really nervous that they were gonna choke um it got back to the five point uh it started to feel a little better and then it was 50 to uh, 45 above the line by the two minute warning and after the speed round started it got to like six points seven points with like a minute 15 left and it, it was over I knew it was over above the line. Had it, I got it. It was 57-48 above the line. After as the final score, as the clock hit zero, and McQueenie goes nuts. And I think that is honestly my favorite reaction to a win ever in Schmodown. Maybe besides Roka when he first beat Merle. Like those two reactions. I think it's winning the title. It's like having that, you know, satisfaction that you just won the title. I mean, above the line, it had it before, but they immediately had to play the Patriots again and prove that it wasn't like a one-time fluke that they beat the Patriots, and then they beat them in an Iron Man match, which is like the most definitive thing possible. So, McQueenie gets, you know, has that huge outburst, which if 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 you only watch the collision once, go ba- go back and watch that last thirty seconds of the uh, team title match where McQueen goes cra- McQueenie goes crazy because it's awesome and it's so fun to watch. Um, I was so hyped. I think I was equally as excited as McQueenie was when McQueenie won when uh, above the line won. Um, I promised that if the above the line won, that I get a T-shirt, and I'm getting a T-shirt because they're my favorite team and they fucking rock so i'm getting a t-shirt i'm not sure uh which one probably the one with just their faces not the funko one um and then you know after that we get the interview with the patriots and um jt was talking that i think he might be right about winning that they'd won so much that he realized that he was never going to have a reaction like mcqueenie had if they would have won the belt and that you know they were kind of they were chance for a year and I feel like after a while, that kind of just starts to, you know, like he said, greatness becomes normal. And it kind of just becomes like, you know, another another day at the office. And I think I think he might be right about that. And respect to the Patriots, they, they won nine straight matches. 
hell of a lot of respect to them. They they were great champions for a year. They were they were entertaining heels and so much fun to root against, even though it took a year for someone to beat them. And with that being said, we have the breakup of the Lions Den. Um, which I think everyone knew was probably coming if they lost. I at least thought that if the Patriots lost, they'd probably break up. It wasn't a guarantee, but I love the Knights of Ken. I think that's so much fun. I don't know exactly who's going to be in the Knights of Ken. I'm hoping, I mean, Donica probably will be. I'm assuming Donica will follow him because him and Knapsack are friends, so it just kind of, like, makes sense. Um, but, yeah, the Knights of Ken, that's going to be a fun... A fun faction, I think. Um, I think Ken will be a good manager, and it'll be a lot of fun. Um, and then Tagnito just starts going down the drain. Snyder somewhat breaks up with JTE, you know, even though that was going to happen anyway. Um, he kind of breaks up with JTE, says he needs to focus on a singles career. Um, and Snyder leaves the Lions Den then, too. And I think I, I have in my notes, yes, Snyder, be free, because I think Snyder was getting held back by Dagnino. And it's, it's going to be really good to see him kind of on his own. And... Another question is, where is Snyder going to end up? Is he going to follow? Is he going to go to the Knights of Ken? Is he going to join? Is he going to turn face and maybe join that Fife Club? Because I think, honestly, if I had to pick a group where Snyder's going to go, it would probably be the Fife Club with Andreco. Um, I think him and Andreco could team up. Well, actually, maybe not because, you know, they don't get to choose. Um, but maybe after the after the team tournament. Maybe uh, Snyder and, and Drake could be a cool team. I, I think they they fit each other's strengths pretty well. I think that'd be a pretty good team. Um, but yeah, the pa- the Patriots break up, and I I knew that JT wouldn't leave Tom because you know look back at the uh, the old box office breakout breakdown team. It was JT and uh, it was JT and Finstock um, back then. Tom Dagnino and they did the podcast together, and they have that that great run in teams. Uh, so of course, of course, JT, JT and Tom seem like they're actually really good friends outside of the Schmodown. Um, not to say that Snyder and him aren't, but you know, just see, it seems like those two are like really tight in real life. So, um, so yeah, the Pats break up, box office breakdown, and um, might might be returning. But the huge, huge thing at the end of um, at the end of the event, actually, I want to talk about on Tuesday. Levine said that he has an announcement, which I don't know what that is, and I hope it's that he's. N- I hope it's not that he's retiring. I, I I need this guy to stay in the league. I hope it. I hope it's just something small, maybe that he's like joining a faction or something. Um, but you know, I hope that it's just it's something small and that it's not not the end of the world. Because I don't I don't want to see something happen to above the line or Levine being you know double champion. I hope it's not like he's like oh I'm retiring now that I'm a double champion definitively and you know whatever. Maybe it'll be that Brienne gave him the title shot and that he's going to use it to face Dan Mer- like that like maybe he'll give the title shot to Dan Merle I don't know I hope Brienne keeps the title shot for herself though I hope she uh, it, it in the pre in the pre game of the collision it seemed like she was leaning towards giving it to someone but honestly I think it'd be fun <laughs> you know especially with all this corruption anarchy stuff if you know at the end of the ultimate Schmodown tournament Brienne just like guess what me and this person are going for the title shot first, and then we're going to play the above the line first, and then whoever wins the Schmodown tournament, then they get to play, you know, either us or the above the line. But Thad comes out, and he has that announcement from Kalinowski that this year's tournament's theme is anarchy, and that it is going to be 32 names thrown into a hat, and random pairs are going to be paired up, and I could not be more excited 
this is such a fun idea. I cannot wait for this. It's going to be great. Like, just think of the possibilities. You could have Andrew Guy and John Rocco on the same team. Just by, oh God, please, by by the luck of the draw, please let it be Roca and Guy. Just, just, just have to see. I love Roca and I love Guy, and I love their argument. Like, Guy tackled Roca. Like, how much fun would it be to have to see them, like, try to go through the tournament and get a belt together? Um, it'll be interesting for the Horsemen, too, because if Merle, Riley both come back, and then you got Edmund maybe getting a new team, or well, definitely getting a new teammate, unless it's by luck. Um, so we, we could randomly get, like, one, maybe, team that's still the same by the luck of the draw. Um, but, you know, there's nothing there's nothing out of the question. Um, I hope Kalinowski's in the tournament, though, because I want to I wanna see him put his money where his mouth is, like he is with the inner geekdom. If it would, it'd be one thing if Kalinowski uh, was pulling all these strings and not competing, so I hope, that he's, I hope that he gets a random teammate in there. If he gets, like, you know, if he gets someone like, uh, I don't know, Dan Merle or Mark Riley, I think that could be a really interesting team and see how they do. Um, I think it's also an interesting storyline, like, Kalinowski broke up his team, so he's breaking up every other team, and I think that's a lot of fun. Um, so I'm really excited for this tournament. I think it's starting next month, end of next month, maybe? Normally, isn't it, like, late August when it starts? So, you know, we'll get, we're still getting the Shire Wolves versus World's Finest, and then we're still getting that winner of that will play above the line. So, like, the Shire Wolves and World's Finest, they earn their number one contender matches, and that's still happening before all, before those two two teams have to break up for the tournament. And you know, people are talking about like what happens like with the original teammate. You know, are they going to have to play each other for the belt? Honestly, I don't think it's going to be an issue because I think above the line is going to win no matter who is thrown up against them. Because I'm, you know, the Patriots were a year champion, and I honestly feel confident that above the line will have the belts for longer than the Patriots did. I don't think that there's any team. I can be thrown out there, maybe besides like Merlin Roca or Merlin Riley that can actually compete. Um, I I love I love Clark Wolf and Rachel Cushing, but just watching that Iron Man match, I have a hard time believing that anyone's gonna be able to beat above the line anytime soon. And if they do lose to the Shire Wolves or Wolf World's Finest, I don't want to don't want to count out World's Finest. That I think above the line deserves an automatic rematch the way the Patriots did. I think if you win two matches against the greatest you know greatest team of all time as of right now, I would I, I mean debatably them or above the line you know whatever you want to say uh but before them the greatest team of all time and you beat them in an iron man match and you beat them twice and you retain that belt i think you would deserve an automatic rematch if they lose but i don't even think that'll be an issue um so yeah um that was the collision too i hope you guys enjoyed my breakdown um it was an awesome event awesome event can't can't really ask for too much more than that um yeah, I'm really excited for what's coming up. Uh, we'll see what this Tuesday announcement is. Apparently, we're getting an exhibition match coming up soon. And within a couple weeks, we're getting that Shire Wolves versus World Finest. Um, but I think next Friday is a continuation of the Inner Geekdom Tournament. I'm, I forget. I think it's Canopic Fife. Um, but I'm not exactly sure. So, um, yeah, I'll be back either end of next week or if the announcement video is, you know, as important as I think it might be, then I might be back mid next week to talk about that so basically i'm just going to be doing these episodes whenever i feel like there's enough to talk about for a full episode so i've been going for almost 45 minutes now so i feel like you know i feel like the collision 2 is probably enough to talk about in one episode so um guys cinema talk podcast um if you are listening to this and you haven't heard my podcast that i do with my buddies brendan uh logan and matt the cinema talk podcast we break down movies long uh long form discussions on movies you know hour plus discussions on movies full breakdowns of film 
um, go uh, on the same feed, just click, scroll down and click on the Cinema Talk podcast. Also, check out Stop, Wait, What by uh, Brendan and a lot of my buddies to do that uh, comedy podcast. Only a couple, one episode out right now. Go and listen to that episode, uh, give it some love, and then uh, let, let us know what you think. Um, Patreon.com slash Schmodown. Support the Patreon if you can. Um, I actually got a little bit of backlash on the Facebook page about posting about that. Um, if you can, if you feel it, that you can afford to give a dollar a month or more please do it please consider it you know the ten dollar tier is getting really really a lot more interesting because you get your patreon matches um early release and then you also get you know these uh these exhibition matches and you might get the live event so i feel like the the ten dollar tier is is becoming well well worth it um within the next month so if if that's if that's something you guys can afford then i i definitely recommend it i think it's been awesome the ask me anythings have been fun to watch too um so yeah um that's been the twisted schmodown podcast episode two i hope you guys enjoyed i hope you guys enjoyed the collision as much as i did so um yeah i'm ryan and i'll talk to you guys next time see ya aging group of outlaws look for one last big score the traditional american west is disappearing around them and what's sem peckinpah western Jimmy Queen, your mom. The Wild Bunch. And your winner! Yeah! 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 Title. Oh, my.